Let's roll out the carpet. Let's talk Mountaineer Hoops. Excited to have Zach E. Moon in here with me. Man, it was a good conversation. We got into the development of the Zach's hair versus Emmett's hair. Got into whole a little bit of uh, Robert Huggins Baratheon uh, himself. That was that was fun. Uh, we gave our thoughts on whether we think Gonzaga really is that number one team in college basketball. Was that a little bit of a media creation? We know they're good, but, you know, kind of wanted to figure that out a little bit. Hit on some of the other contenders. We uh, continue to talk a little bit about what we think West Virginia needs to get better at coming down, you know, this next month of December before we get into Big 12 play here in uh, not, not less than two weeks from now, really. So it's heating up quickly. Real excited for that. We also touch a little bit on some football there at the very end of the episode because who isn't always ready for a little Mountaineer, uh, little Mountaineer football versus Iowa State this weekend? But you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab the grab the coffee. Fill stuff. It's in the evening. Grab the drink. Come on back because we're talking Mountaineer hoops here on the porch. All right, yeah, glad glad to have uh glad to have Zach here on with me. Uh, now, Zach, are you still going by the old the old Zachy Moon there, or are we uh have we moved on from that? Hey, I'm good with Zachy Moon. I like it, man. I like it. I love me the tropics. That's right. Hey, man, you know, let's get tropical, man. You know, <laughs> we could uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think Jackie Moon could play a little three for us potentially. I don't know. Do you still rock? Can you rock the headband though? That's the big question. I don't know if I have the flow for that. I'm going to try and grow it out here a little bit. Uh-huh. I'll tell you what. I think, I think the Jackie Moon had the grainy shot free throw before Rick Barry. What do you thinking? I'm, I'm with you on that, on him having the uh, having the free throw, the old grainy style there before Rick Barry. You know what else? Jackie Moon would have put those Gonzaga uh, hairdos to shame last night. Oh, yeah. And they kept talking about development of the hair. I'm like, hey, what about Deuce and uh, Emmett's hair? You know, no, no love for that on the broadcast there uh, yesterday for sure. Um, now, that, from, from my wife's perspective, just to bring in a woman's perspective, oh, we, we need that all the time, man. What was that? No, she's all about the long flowing blonde. She doesn't like that he cut it down a little bit. So I think she, it's all right. Yeah, from a woman's perspective, she's not loving it. It's, it's. I guess it's better. You know, you don't get to see the flop that he used to have. You know, I guess Deuce is trying to take that right. from him this year. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think you're right. Hey, when he's got the bounce, when he has the bounce, that's when you know he's really on his game. Uh, you know. I don't know if he had it last night or not, but Zach, let's let's go ahead and dive in here, man, real quick. You know, we're kind of talking about the announcers here, real quick too. Did you feel a little uh, little Gonzaga bias there in the uh, in the telecast there last night? Man, as a Mountaineer fan, we always kind of pick up on that kind of stuff. I feel like that's just an inherent chip that we always have on our shoulders, just from what we've experienced over the years, but. Is that going to powerhouse? They're going to get treated like one. I, you know, I'm kind of used to it right now, especially with Billis. I mean, he great announcer. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like there's always a twinge of that, you know, kind of not favoritism so much, but just a little bit of, you know, this this team definitely deserves the love we're giving them. Oh yeah, definitely. You know what else though too? I always kind of feel a slight twinge. You know, you talked about Billis with the favoritism toward the Zags and everything. I think he has a little slight dislike for us at times. Not really sure why. I don't think he likes our style of basketball because he's always just talking about how how damn ugly it is. And granted, 
that's what we're about. I mean, we have to ugly it up. We have to have, you know, that's a part of our DNA. But I always feel like he's kind of, yeah, exactly. You know, he we are on brand when we're, we're doing that. And we kind of did that in the first half. And then it kind of, it, it sort of in the second half went away from us a little bit, um, for sure. But I mean, I don't know. Billis, to me, I feel like he's always kind of had a little something uh, against us to, to a certain extent. You know, I think about it. You, you know, Billis, the Duke band, polished, prim, proper, you know, Duke, Duke culture. Now, when we were looking for a new home, new conference, almost 10 years ago now, I think you can believe it. Crazy. Crazy. Find us a new home. ACC had plenty of things to do with us. No. Country, too uneducated, didn't put a premium on education. Okay, how's that working out for your schools that are, you know, cheating? But we won't go there. We won't go. Hey, but we're also in the conference now with probably the the biggest cheater on the planet when it comes to college hoops there at uh, Rock Jock Jayhawk, you know. But we'll we'll let that go. (laughs) Plenty plenty of time to get in all the, uh, into all this, you know, FBI and uh, allegations and all the sneaker money flowing through that uh, KU program. Oh, we could be, we could literally just have another, we wouldn't even talk about Gonzaga if we got into KU. Um, But Zach, let's, let's kind of dive in a little bit to the game there last night, man. Um, You know, your initial thoughts, what did you kind of, how'd you feel coming into it? And then, you know, how'd you feel kind of as the game was progressing, especially in that first 20 minutes? Well, honestly, coming in, Glenn, I wasn't sure what to expect after the three games we played in South Dakota. You know, we weren't playing slouches by any means. At least two of those teams in South Dakota State and Western Kentucky are likely conference winners and thus uh, tournament betters. So, good teams for sure, but mid-majors even still. We didn't dominate like you would hope, given the amount of hype that we had coming in. But, you know, Kind of left some question marks there, especially with Oscar. He was my biggest question mark in the Gonzaga game. Because, you know, if we want to be the level team that we have the potential to be, he's got to be playing like we expected. I mean, he's got to make the jump from where he was at last year, kind of learning the game still, definitely learning the system, learning how to play division one college basketball. He's got to make that next step if we want to be a contender like so many of us out there expect to be. But, you know, ultimately, I was just hoping that how and just loaded as Gonzaga is and how efficient they are offensively, that we could just keep them within double digits because I didn't know we'd be able to stop them and I also didn't know we'd be able to score with them. And I don't know if we necessarily stopped them. We held them to less points than Kansas allowed them to have for whatever that's worth. Right. I mean, you know, we kept it close the whole game. We definitely had them at the end with Bowles just ate us up. With gameplay, amazing. Ocean Boy was playing out of his mind. How about that three he drilled there in the first half? I mean, that was something that I would have yeah, never dreamed. Yeah, exactly. You're like, really? Like, was that Gabe Osaboyan hitting that three? And it looks smooth, too. I mean. Oh, I mean, if you're not going to step out on him, fire away. Hey. make that one, Shoot, I mean, after watching that three-point shot that he put up, I'm like, you know what? I'm all for him taking a few more here in the future, to be quite honest with you. Um. Looked looked better than than some of the other guys that have taken some three pointers um, for us so far, and and that you know, touching on that point that you talked about with with the Zags and kind of how you hoped we would be competitive, but you weren't really sure how we were going to stop them or if we were going to be able to score. I mean, the folks out in the desert had it at about a eight and a half to nine point spread, and we we got inside of that for sure, and I think we 
cover. Yeah. Oh, we got the cover, my friend. Yes. Yes, sir. We did. Um, but I also kind of thought with with Gonzaga and just kind of the the style that they play. Obviously, like you said, they still score points, and and we kind of struggled at times, um, especially in the second second half with our transition defense. And then, like you said, you know, the fouls started mounting up. Um, and let's get on that real quick. Your thoughts on the officiating last night? Personally, I was I, I didn't think it was awful in the first half. I thought there were a couple calls here and there that were kind of really interesting. I thought the Taz Sherman charge there early on in the game I thought was a huge turning point and a terrible call. By the way, what the hell was up with those camera uh, angles they kept showing? Is I feel like every time they went to the weird camera view, it was inevitably going to be something bad happened to us. Maybe I was just in my own head at that point in time, but it just felt it just felt that way. Um, and, you know, I, that, I felt like that call was terrible. And then another call, charge call on Taz in the second half was bad, too, not to mention just all the ticky-tack kind of nonsense that seemed to be going on and getting called, especially there in the second half. It's, it's definitely, I could, I could be a little rest, but ultimately you don't want to lose games because of It's true. It's you true. You can't see it that way, and we see this all the time, especially yep. on the road in the Big 12, and especially – uh, Rock Talk, Jayhawk, Kansas, no. we talking about before. But, so it's not that we haven't seen before. Ultimately, I wasn't thrilled with a lot of the calls, but again, you see it on the corner of your eye, it's on the street, kind of last second sometimes. You think a call shouldn't be made, but you know, ultimately those refs have the best view of it, so you know, you got to go with the opinion mm. that they have hey. when they make the call they do. But you're right, there were multiple calls that I could screamed over, namely the charge that was called him in the tag when he went up on the right side to that layup. That was such a sell job, and it, it kills me. And not two minutes later, I don't believe, Gabe attempted a charge that was an obvious charge. Didn't get the call. Mm-hmm. I don't wear the stripes, but it was a charge from Brackett Bell. No call. Granted, Gabe got, I think, three or four charge calls, but I believe it was three. So, and he's a beast in that regard. I, I love the guy that I can talk about him all day. Hey, like they said last night, he he fits our program perfectly, Gabe Osaboyan does. And, you know, Zach, that's a a great point you made about how, you know, we cannot allow the officiating to dictate the game to us. We've got to dictate that to the – essentially, we have to be able to overcome that because the game is not going to be changed the way it's officiated. These, I mean, and it's obviously – and it's going to change – different refs are going to call it differently every night, but – for the whole, the way and the style that they're calling college basketball now is not the same as it was five years ago, maybe even when Louisville won that championship and we started going to this. We've always had to combat it, and we always are. We obviously, too, have to know in a game in March that could happen, and we have to find ways to still be able to win a ball game like that. And, you know, if you think about it, really, if you make another, make a couple more threes or you don't turn it over one or two more times earlier in the game or something like that. You know, even a pass, like, say, when we're up nine there in the first half and Emmett Matthews tries to make that, you know, would have been a, a, a teardrop in the bucket pass over a guy to Oscar. You know, if you don't make that pass in that spot, maybe you get a good shot, you go up 11 or you go up whatever, but they're not going to get a run out, transition three, and then boom, that we, we, you know, they initially – we have another bad shot. They get it down to four just like that when it looked like there for a minute you might have extended the double digits late in the first half. I thought that was huge, huge in that basketball game. We've got to be able to overcome those things. And 
if we if we allow that to get in our mindset, I think it's really going to put us back. Um, but you know, like you said, we don't wear the stripes. Um, and for the most part, it sounded like in the post game, I think Hugs was a little disappointed in the way Culver was kind of officiated. But I think he was also disappointed. It seemed like we kind of were a little bit, a little bit late sometimes, and maybe there wasn't a lot of contact, but it looked like a foul of the official, and that's why they called it. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you about specifically the play you discussed with him getting thrown to the head to Oscar. Uh, I get what he was looking at. He was trying to make a good play. But ultimately, at that point in the game, we were carrying my best. And I've said it literally as it happened to my family that I've watched with my wife and her. Dad and Grandma, he was a big, big WVU fan at 92 years old. Gotta love it. Hey, that's, but, that's how they born and bred him, man. You know, always a mountaineer, right? Uh, you know? Hey, she, she grew up in uh, East Bank, not too far from where Jerry West The old Zeke the Cabin Creek, man. She she, she, she could have even, she could have probably even watched Jerry when she was like, when he was a little guy, like when he was like dribbling around like at the old, uh, at the old grade school potential. I believe she may have some stories, not too dissimilar from what you're describing. My wife claims, once she's heard, I don't know how true it is, but she claimed that Jerry West is a family in some form or fashion. I don't know if it's true or not, that's what I was talking Hey, it's your story and you're sticking to it, man. I don't blame you. <laughs> free throws right now yeah exactly that, hey, that's that's a great development though that's a great development for for this season for sure interesting Zach at least in my opinion with Culver I don't know maybe you feel this way too I feel like if he makes the first one he's gonna make the second one if he misses the first one he's gonna miss the second one he is so streaky even within his own mindset within like a a trip to the line almost it's it's almost wild um like you said on Culver I mean six of 11 and we did get to the line a good bit um in this game yeah I mean and, and we got to the line a lot in the second half too um 17 to 23 in the line in the second half. And like you said, Culver misses five of those six misses. Um, you know, great development for later on. Um, you know, and like we were talking about there, before, you know, once we got onto that other part there, uh, mentioning mentioning the pass Emmett makes. So in the first half, you know, we've got that lead. We've got it going. Um, going into the halftime, man, how are you feeling about the basketball game? Did you think, man, okay, we, we've – we're doing what we need to do. We've got a great opportunity here. Or were you still worried about the onslaught that might occur in the second half? Well, honestly, at that point, obviously I was 
thrilled to be lead to have the score 39 points on pace for us all. I think without Bud, which, I mean, to beat these guys, you got to score points because they're going to score points. There's no question about it. But with, with Suggs going out the way he did, it ultimately looked like it was going to be much more serious than it was. They were talking on top about the Suggs the whole game, which, you know, granted, excellent player, future lottery pick. I mean, he's outstanding. But if I feel like the top really swung back. They got a lot of momentum and energy when he came back into the game. What was about the 12-minute mark, something like that, after the second TV timeout? Give or, give or take. Yeah. Although, I, I'll say this, Zach. I think I think Nearhart um, was um, – Nimhart played great. Yeah, I think Nimhart played better than Suggs did. And I think we might have let down our guard a little bit when Suggs got at when Suggs left the game, and maybe like we didn't respect Nimhart the way we maybe should have. Um, and then that's when their offense really started flowing. Second half, they were twenty-one of thirty-four from the floor. I mean, you can't have that when they're thirteen of thirty-five in the first half. I mean, we did such a good job in the first half defensively. If we carry that over and play that kind of defense against everyone that we see in the Big 12, we're going to have an amazing season. Granted, we're going to find teams and going to have nights when it doesn't happen for us. But if you bring that kind of effort, if you can shut down Gonzaga to, you know, essentially 37% shooting, you've got an opportunity to do that to just about everybody. Oh, absolutely. You know, you go toe-to-toe with arguably the best team in the country now. Baylor put on a nice show last night against Illinois. Yes, they did. Those are two. Wizard man, just a wizard, you know. that's one area of concern for me coming out of this game, but it's also one that I'm not too concerned about was defense on the ball screens. We obviously, that's been an area for some time that, you know, you have to figure out how your personnel works to defend that. Obviously, whatever we were doing last night against Gonzaga, we can't do that in the ball screen defense the remainder of the way. We're going to really struggle. Um, But I also kind of wanted to hit on this real quick here. Zach, as you were talking about, you know, at halftime and how Timmy kind of exploded in the second half, right? I look at it and say, I think the officiating in the second half changed to where it wasn't allowed to be as physical, which allowed him to kind of have that 
free-flowing mindset to get into do, playing his game the way he wanted to play his game. And I think that's why he was so successful in the second half as opposed to the first. We were allowed to kind of bang him a little more in the first half. In the second half, not so much. And then you see him kind of, you know, flourish offensively at that point. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that if the commentators even mentioned that, I think that he kind of wasn't prepared for the brand of basketball we were bringing to the table. I mean, when Oscar and Derek were both in the game, and even Gabe, I mean, Gabe isn't afraid to throw it around. No, no, he's not. You know, it wasn't easy to get down there in the paint where Tendy was missing a lot of these shots. He just wasn't, he didn't quite have the touch. I don't know if he was a, you know, a little wary of contact, a wary of the, you know, shot blockers, I don't know. Which, I mean, credit to Cole for one thing that he has definitely improved on from his first few years in Morgantown. He is he is a much better rim protector than he's been. Oh, and, absolutely. And it's an excellent addition to the defense. Yeah, I mean, so, it's it's it's, it's not on the SAG level, Zach, yet, but I feel like, right. and no one's ever going to be quite at that level. Um, no but freakish. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? You actually do feel like there is somebody back there now that has the ability to send one into the third row in Culver. I think he always had the the opportunity and, and the athletic ability to do so, but he just hadn't. He just never did it consistently. Like you said, we're starting to see that a little bit now, which I love to see. Um, Zach, you know, you're talking also too about Gabe. Oh yeah, talking about Gabe and kind of and Culver. I just looked at this stat, and this one kind of bogs my mind a little bit. Gabe had the highest plus minus on the floor last night for our team at 14. Culver had the lowest at minus 14. I know that's a stat that kind of sometimes, you know, you can kind of read too much into that. But I thought that's very interesting um, because I think at times Culver, even like you said, he's a great rim protector. They're just there's occasionally things that I feel like he especially I thought in South Dakota in the South Dakota State game. It felt like he was lethargic. Um, And then he kind of turned it. He's turned it on since then. But I've always heard people kind of question, you know, is he a winning player? I think there's no doubt he is. But. There are times when when you wonder about Culver. Do you have those concerns sometimes w- with him? I do, and I don't want to be too hard on the guy because I mean, and Hogan talked about it a lot. Culver gets punished. I mean, he oh is, yeah, and he plays he hard too. Two hundred seventy pounds, and he, he does. He he gives it a good effort, but the majority of the time. But there are times where he's loafing a little bit. He's late on help side defense, and it, it happened a lot in South Dakota. And it, bothers me a lot, but I try to think about it from a perspective where, you know, he's getting banged around constantly. He is hustling up and down the court. He's a very mobile guy and can run a transition whenever we're getting up and down the court. Yeah. And, you know, he, he can get gassed. It is early in the season. They're still getting their legs under him. I'm hoping that his conditioning will improve throughout the season. I'm sure it will. But, I mean, he, he takes a lot of punishment. I think that has a little bit to do with it, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know what else, too, I think is a, something that we saw late last night out of necessity due to Oscar fouling out and, and Culver and Gabe having the foul trouble, but Cottrell coming into that game and showing what he showed a little bit, you know, I, I look at that and say, man, that's a huge sign because if he if we can get minutes out of him, then, you know, Culver can take that occasional rest on, on, on the bench, you know, give him a breather. We don't ha- He doesn't have to be in it as much. You know, you can kind of save Oscar's foul trouble issues. And then Gabe, I'm okay. Gabe last night, I don't necessarily view his four fouls as being anything outrageous, you know. But, I mean, I love seeing what we got out of Cottrell last night. I mean, six points um, to go along with, 
uh, a couple rebounds. He provided, you know, he didn't he didn't look out of um, out of place last night on that big stage, and he had kind of looked out of place in South Dakota. I agree with you entirely. There were moments defensively where he just was lost. I mean, there were a couple of times where he was playing on the perimeter defensively, and he just got blown by whatever it was, you know, a jab step and a blow by, and it just didn't look good. And unfortunately, that extends to kind of get off topic from the big man just for a second, but Katie Johnson, he he's having some trouble defensively, and we yep. got to have him yep. in there because. As much as I love, love, love Jordan McKay, he just—he's not playing the way that we would have hoped. No. If we don't have somebody to spare McBride to read a minute. Yep. We're going to be hurt when Miles is out of the game. You know, Deuce, Deuce facilitates the offense so well, and it's—it's it's tough too because defensively he's so athletic that he can—he can do so much more than a guy like Jordan can. And like I said, love the kid to death. Great, great kid. But he's just—he's not showing up the way he would have expected to. But Cottrell, despite his youth, on that kind of stage, he came in clutch minutes. Mm-hmm. He, he played very well. I was he did. He did. You know, though, last night something Zach that I, I mean, I'm going back looking at the box score, right? And I see that you know, as Hugs calls him, Kiki Johnson over here plays four minutes, and I'm like, hold on now. I didn't realize it, which in certain respects is a good sign for him. Because we all knew when he was on the floor in South Dakota because he was struggling mightily. I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, exactly. I didn't necessarily see the um the kind of you know not not that he made an impact, but he didn't he didn't make the huge mistakes that he did right. um out in South Dakota. So that's a positive sign for him too. You know, I guess we're on, while we're on the topic here now, these these youthful guys. The one guy I'm still waiting to see, man, is Jalen Bridges. I kind of thought Jalen Bridges having the red shirt year that he had in the program, being a top heralded recruit coming in, we'd see a little more from him. Um, we haven't yet. I don't know what that is yet. I think it's going to kind of like Cottrell might come on at one point in time. And then obviously we can't expect, you know, this guy to be a double-double type guy. But you expected more than what you've gotten from him for sure at this point in time. And hopefully, you know, and I've, I've heard Huck say he's just a, a tick too fast right now. Um, and if he slows it down a little bit, he'll be in real business. In, in the limited minutes he played in South Dakota, I, it seemed to me just watching, and this is something that Culver struggled with his first couple of years, I think. I'm just playing too fast, just kind of playing in front of your skis a little bit, trying to get ahead of yourself, just not quite being comfortable. And to, to Bridges, Bridges, goodness gracious, Bridges defense. He has played stiff competition in his four games to start his collegiate career. He's True. been playing slouches, and something that helps first-year players because ultimately, even though he's a redshirt freshman, this is his first live action since his senior year at Fairmont. So, yeah. that's having the essentially what a year and a half without a game. I mean, that's a long exactly. time. Yeah. I mean, live action against your teammates and scrimmages, practice, and everything like that—that's one thing. When you're in live action, granted. No fans, not quite the same atmosphere, but still, you're playing guys you're not familiar with. You don't know how to play necessarily, except for what you've seen on film. And we're we're playing now three out of four tournament teams and the best team in the nation. And you know he hasn't quite had those break-in games yet against lesser competition that 
young guys really rely on yeah. trying to get their feet under them and get some momentum and get a little bit of a group. Yeah, so I think that I think that'll help them a lot going forward before conference play starts. Exactly. There's no Duquesne on the schedule right now. There's no you know exactly. Mount Saint Marys of you know of Helena or whatever, you know, I mean, there's nothing like that this year for him to bank on. That's a great point. Um, You know, and, and, and like you said too, when it comes to, to that part of the game, playing a little too fast, but yet that hopefully in time that will kind of settle in and he'll kind of be able to settle down, but not playing for two years. That is a huge, huge factor. Um, You know, and, and, and Zach, I, I kind of real quick. I mean, we kind of have hit a lot on now what we what we saw from our team in that game. Um, I really think, like we said, Gonzaga is probably one of the best teams in the country. And you mentioned Illinois, Baylor. Kind of wanted to get your take real quick here as we kind of get out of here. Um, when what you? I mean, we were we kind of watched four big basketball games in the last two two nights. You know, eight of the top twenty teams were, were out there playing basketball. And I feel like we acquitted ourselves without a doubt as one of the more impressive teams of those eight that we saw. Um, I mean, I think Illinois was good, but Baylor was great. Um, I don't think we were exposed by any means as being a pretender, whereas I think there were a few teams that played that might have been kind of looked at as pretenders. I like Duke, but I don't like this Duke team. And I'm not a huge fan of Kansas right now, man. I'm excited for us to get an opportunity to play those guys here in about three weeks from now because if they don't improve much from now to then, granted, it's still Kansas. But that size that they've got, the size disadvantage right now, we could have our way in, down low with them, I think. Oh, absolutely. What what the Gonzaga game, to a certain extent, showed is the depth that we do have with our size despite the two – you know, all conference big men we have starting, even behind them with Gabe and Cottrell, if he can continue to develop, that's huge too. Because even if we get in a little bit of foul trouble, we have guys that can step in and still be more than serviceable. So that's that's a big deal because that kind of depth can lead you through a season that's going to be grueling, even under normal circumstances. But you throw COVID in there, one of these guys comes down with it, we won't be completely crippled, and we can. We could move along, but you're absolutely right. I come into the season with what Kansas lost, and despite the fact they retained, you know, defensive player of the year in uh, Garrett. I'll tell you what, he doesn't look right right now, though, Zach. From what I've seen, I know they were talking about him having some conditioning. Yeah, he just doesn't look quite right now. I know it has it wasn't COVID, but man, he something's not quite right there. And if he's not the guy for them or the dude. They don't have Doak anymore. They don't have Dotson. That team's in trouble. That coming into the year, I was very curious about what they would look like. And, you know, they've played three games now, I believe. Gonzaga hung, hung a bill on them. And <laughs> yeah. they just narrowly escaped Kentucky, who, you know, Kentucky gets great recruits. Cal knows exactly what he's doing. But, you know, they, they're another team that I think might have some question marks of their own, one and two to this point. And, you know, not to say that Richmond, to be this year's clear up, and they've lost to Kansas now. But, you know, those two teams, once the Blue Bloods, I'm not 100% sure on Kansas. They've, they've definitely got their question marks. McCormick being your main big guy, he's no, no. no you're absolutely right. No, no. That's something that we could definitely exploit whenever we see them a couple times this year. I mean, when it is, when it is when your big guys, McCormick and Lightfoot, and I like Lightfoot, don't get me wrong, but 
that's not Oscar. That's not Culver. That's not Cottrell. That's not, you know, Gabe, Gabe not necessarily from that presence-wise, but what he is as a player. We've got an opportunity on the block, I think, against them to really, really be good. Now I'll say this. Baylor was very impressive. I don't know how much of that one you got to watch. Man, they there's something about that team, man. They grind, and in the last two years, they have been just excellent, and it feels like making the winning play. Um, and man, they went on that road in, run against Illinois, and it was like, yep, this one is this one's done. I can I can turn off the TV right now, and it, we know for a fact that Baylor's going to win this game and still be number two in the country. Um, I think they might be better than Gonzaga personally um, because of the way they can defend. Um, if, if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm making the list up here, but um, like, I think that's, that's one other thing too, you know, um, we've kind of hit on, I was impressed with Michigan state too. I don't know what you thought about them. I like our, ta- our chances against a team like that, but I was impressed with Michigan state too against Duke and probably less impressed with Duke than I was, in, or, you know, more impressed with Michigan state, I guess you could say. Watching the Michigan State Duke game, my first thought was, man, these teams are so long. They play with such length at every position. It's crazy what kind of guys those teams can recruit. Those programs can bring in and reload every year, but they're just they're so big and long across the board. It's it's very tough to match up against for teams like us who don't, you know, this is the longest team we've ever had, but even still, we match up a little undersized against teams like that on the perimeter. But you know, they're they're both impressive. Programs for sure. Izzo got his club looking good, even though he had multiple NBA draft picks leave. And you know those programs have the luxury of reloading every year. But I, I'm with you on Baylor. I think I I say Gonzaga is the best team out there because I just think they're they're so able to score the ball in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. If you want to take a half court, they can shoot the lights out of the ball. If they get hot, watch out. They can play in transition. You know, it, it's just tough to stop them. But Baylor, watching them against Illinois, I watched the grand majority of that game. They're just so multiple in defense. They can switch everything. Their backcourt, offensively and defensively, is outstanding. You know, uh, like most of the commentators are talking about how, you know, they believe that they're the best backcourt in the nation. Bill has said it multiple times. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. No. I think they're outstanding. Butler is a stud. Yeah, I mean he he is that. I think he's probably if you if you had to kind of gaze into the crystal ball right now, probably the Big Twelve uh, Player of the Year. You know, especially preseason wise. I mean, he, you know, he's kind of the odds-on favorite. Um, you know, and and, and, I, and I see this too. Zach, I'm just trying to think about other teams that we haven't seen here in the last couple of days in those big blockbuster games that were impressive. Um, I really like what I saw out of Houston against Texas Tech. I think that's a team that might be in, in for a little bit of a, a transitional process this year with all the transfers they have going on right now. Texas impressed me in Asheville, and um, for them to win that tournament was great. And to hear Bill Walton and Benetti all day, I mean, you can't do better than that for midweek, right? I mean, that's there's nothing better than seeing Walton oh, putting on the shades and saying happy birthday to his dog at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know. I get, I get a little tripped out just watching that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't a little bit, you know? Got the, wacky, got the wacky tobacco, I think. Hey, it's an, it's an experience there when you're watching Walton, man. And and for him to get to ex- kind of espouse on Asheville, which is a great town, I uh, love that place. Man, that's his kind of place. And for him to get to just talk about that like he did, man, it was it was amazing. Phenomenal television. Um, But, I mean, 
I think, you know, getting back to what we're, you know, getting back to the basketball, which is Texas has looked pretty good. Um, I like our, I like what we have against them, you know, and especially kind of, I think we've got a score to settle with them from last year in February as well, how that went down. But I mean, was there, is there any other teams that, you know, I wasn't impressed with Nova uh, so far this year. I've been, have not liked what I've seen out of them. Um, any other team that you kind of were really impressed by and maybe a team you've kind of watched so far in this first week that you're like, eh, they're really struggling. Oh, well, I, I do agree with you. Um, I think that Texas play really well right now. I, I don't know about Shaka's hair. I don't know how you feel about that. No, man, I, I'll I tell you. I think he's a guy who can live balls. Yeah, I think he needs to go back to the ball brotherhood. Um, but I'll say this on Shaka, man. Shaka hair to me right now looks like when you put a Q-tip in your dog's ear and, like, all that, like, black, like, smut that's on top of it just kind of, like, curls up in the crud. That's my impression of Shaka Smart's hair right now, man. It's, uh, it's, you know, like you said, man, he can go back to the Ball Brotherhood anytime, man. Absolutely. That, that hairline just doesn't quite look right with the after. I think if it was a little, little pulling down his forehead, it might look better, yeah. but... I'll tell you this much though. Shaka kept his COVID due. I would have loved for Hugs to kept the, uh, the the Kenny Loggins, you know, Kenny pa- the the flow in the back, man, the waterfall ish flow along. <laughs> and and uh, and to and, and and to keep it with that man with that beard, I mean, dude. I'm like, man, I just want to see Hugs coach a game in jeans, to be quite honest with you at this point. I feel like that's the next transition for him. Hey, all that all that hair on that man's head and face, I, I don't know if you listen to a whole lot of uh, his coach's show, but he talks a lot about love and naked and afraid. It looked like he'd been out yes, sir. for a little bit. Yes, sir. He was, he, it was like he was channeling his inner naked and afraid uh, during the summer. I mean, with that hair, man, oh, it was yeah, great. And you know what else, Zach? To get out of here on this, man, because we teased it at the top about the bad boy mower and about Hugs sitting on that throne. If Hugs would have had the hair he had in the summer, you put a crown on his head, dude, he's straight out of Game of Thrones, man. I mean, would have been phenomenal, man. And then just, like you said on the coach's show, oh, Robert, Bobby Huggins of, you know, Robert Robert Huggins or uh, of the House Hugs here. Bobby Baratheon. <laughs> Bobby Bobby Baratheon here of the Hugs House of of Morgantown, man. I mean, it's I will say this, man. I feel like the way he's got this thing going, he feels confident in this team. He wants that challenge. He got it last night. We learned things. We will be improved without a doubt. Georgetown Sunday going and playing that little essentially a gym that like would look like a Sissonville middle school or something like that. Um, luckily there won't be that many fans that we've got to worry about in there anyway, but I mean, I'm excited to see Sunday, how we kind of build on from what we did on, you know, on Wednesday night. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited too. Hopefully they can rebound and really put a look on, on Georgetown and get a little bit of the old big East rivalry. Well, I don't think the players from today can appreciate that, but I'm sure Huggins will have a little bit of something for them to, oh, yeah. to go on. Oh, yeah. Patrick Ewing stuff from back in the day. Hey, man. A little bit of the same for that man because I don't know if there's a lot of people back in those days that came from Patrick Ewing. No, no. Hey, and I'll tell you what, there wasn't anybody on the Mountaineer program that would have came for him. And you know what? I'll tell you this much too, Zach. No, you know, 
man, we in terms of like that Georgetown rivalry, a great game. And I remember in Hugs' first season when we had a when they were top ten, came to the Coliseum, and they got away with that goaltending call. Um, and it's like, man, there's a pot. Those games with Georgetown, once we got where we needed to get to with Hugs and that program with JT JT three you know, stepping in and doing the good things he was with Jeff Green and those guys, man, those were exciting games. And it'll, it's always nice to get a little nostalgia, especially for our program in this uh, Big 12, Big East battle. It's almost like they built that thing for us, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that. It's always good to have some games like that that kind of make you reminisce about the old days, which, you know, we're still pretty young at this stage in our lives. And we can <laughs> – we can harken back on those times where we, we saw those battles. Oh, yeah, man. There was nothing like sitting, you know, three rows back in the student section and seeing the list of who's who that came through in the Coliseum on the opposing benches. Jimmy B, Calhoun, Rick Pitino. I mean, the list goes on and on, man. It was it was a phenomenal. You're talking about who's who at basketball. That was it. Zach, I want to give you a little homework here, brother. A little homework, and we'll kind of maybe see if we can get some people to chime in on this with us too. Talking about, you know, you know, Robert Baratheon of the House Hugs got me thinking, man, we've got to go through the Big 12 and we've got to decide on houses. Who is who in the Game of Thrones universe for the Big 12 conference? I want to do that next time we talk after we kick George Sound's ass on Sunday. I like the sound of that. I do too, man. Now, I, I do mean, too. Let me hit you with a couple, let me hit you with a couple things. Okay. Before I hop here. Yeah. So, something I, next little football talking here. Oh, I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Talking about Shaka, it seemed like he had a team that could help maybe get him a new contract after this year. And on the flip side, it looked like Herman may have just caught himself a job, which it's been a, it's been a little while coming, but I mm-hmm. think that he might be out in the office. Oh yeah. yeah. He's 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 around the struggle bus right now. I think the Hornets will have to be looking at. I don't know who they'd be targeting. Oh, I have one. I have one name in mind, my friend. Bringing Muschamp again. How about that? Oh I, well, I don't think that's the guy. No, he uh, he's he's in the yeah. studio on the Fox Network on Saturdays, man, and he loved nothing more than to yep than to stick it into Tom Herman since they've had those little little wars there um over the whole Ohio State issue. Urban would love to take that Texas job, and like you said, man, I think it might be we might it might be time, man. I hope they keep Herman for as long as he wants to hang around, but. Hey, we've seen success against them. Yeah, we have, and we should have seen success against them this year, too, if it wasn't for a P.I. call, you know, that didn't get uh, called. Uh, we, yeah, we, we could go all down that. Let me ask you real quick, Zach, you know, talk a little more football here. Um, man, do, what do you think about the game coming in Saturday, man? Are you, how, how do you feel about it? Are you Do you feel like this, this game Saturday, you know, we're a seven-point dog, 3.30 kickoff. They've already essentially clinched the Big 12. Do you feel like that's kind of this is a really good spot for us? Because I do. I'd like to think so too. I I'm interested to see how we defend them, I, and also I'm interested to see how we can score them because they're one of the best defensive teams in the conference. They are. Vegas, but yep. how we can attempt to put the clamps on Brees Hall? I mean, he's he's an NFL running back. He's a stud, and hopefully the matchup between him and Letty Brown can. Hey, Letty's gonna be fresh, my friend. I love that. He needed it. He needed some rest. Yes, he did. He was he was banged up, so I'd like to see how he comes out looking. Now he held the last game he had over over a hundred yards, and he said he wasn't even hundred percent. So I'm all about Mr. Letty. I love that man. Yep. Also, I'm interested to see how we can 
Oh, they, yes. They've got some dudes out there, my friend. And they've got, got to see a team run those big fellas down the field like this. And we've seen over the years that we get busted up the team by tight ends that can run, and it, it, it'll hurt us. That's true. And I'm wondering how our linebackers can do it. And so if the linebackers and safeties can, can stick with them and keep them, keep them contained, because Kohler can lead you up. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny because, I mean, Kohler and then you've got, you know, I mean, they have a trio of them that are potentially pro prospects. And the way they set the edge on the run game, too, is huge. Although I will say, Zach, like you talked about, our linebackers and safeties up for that challenge. This group, if any group is ready for it, this group right here, I believe, is ready for it, man. And for some reason, I feel like this team still feels like – and their goal – in the offseason was to be the most improved team in the country. Well, if you go seven and three in a COVID season, essentially playing big twelve games, or six and four for that matter, you know, splitting it would be fine. You solidified yourself as the most improved team in the country. Um, and Saturday's a great opportunity to get that one done, without a doubt. I think we match up very well with Iowa State. It's not like we have to worry about them putting on the accelerator and blowing us out of the building. We played well with them last year in a game where we had to go to our backup quarterback about a series into the game. And that backup quarterback was Jack the Ripper Allison, who, you know, still gives me nightmares, honestly. <laughs> well said. Yeah. I think we can all, uh, we can all call with those feelings. Yeah, I mean, that might, that might be a mic drop on that, my friend, you know. But I'll tell you this, Zach, real quickly, man, um, before we get out of here, what's your prediction for, uh, for Saturday in that football game? I love it. It's the old Mr. T hype video from the Pat White days, man. If you get him licking his lips a little bit, you know, get getting it ready, man. Nothing, nothing quite like that on a Saturday, man. Um, and then I, I think I think we should be able to hang with them, Blaine. I, I think that we can give them a ride. It, it's in aim. I don't know off the top what their capacity looks like. Fan wise, do you have any idea what that looks like? Well, they they dialed it back a good bit um, in their last home game. Um, and I, I'm thinking, you know, virus issues the way it is. They'll have a decent little crowd in there, but it's not how it was the last time we had to go there for a blackout. You know, when we'll, we'll, Greer is still trying to figure out where is, you know, where he is maybe, you know. I think he went to South Dakota instead of Iowa, you know. I know, man. I didn't really want to do it that way, but it, it, it happens, you know. There's so much promise on that team. Oh, the truth hurts. Hey, it was. It was, man. And you know what else, though, too? Man, that's the, that is the culmination of the Dana Holgerson era in one football game right there, right? I mean, it really is. We're, we are blessed to have Neil Brown at the helm, and we're also blessed to have, uh, you know, Robert Baratheon of the House Hugs on the sidelines there for us in, in his house there in the Coliseum, too. Great coaches, man. And I, I love where the direction of this program, you know, in football and basketball is headed uh, for Mountaineer Nation. You are definitely seeing what trust in the clock can get you. It's, it's only going to go from here, in my opinion. I think Neil is the real deal. Hey, the real deal, Neil Zach. He he is, man. He is indeed. Well, brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. Join us on the porch, and uh, we'll be uh, excited to bring you on back here for more basketball as we keep uh, moving forward in this uh, turbulent 2020 uh, season. That sounds great, man. I'll hit you with one more thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, man. Hit me with it. Yeah. Championship caliber basketball teams, you gotta have the kind of glue guy that is just is there when he needs to be in the spot. He he just 
has that grit to him. He will hold your team together. I believe Gabo's going to uh, for this team. He honestly reminds me a bit of a guy from the last Final Four team. Joe Mazzola? Oh, okay. But Wellington Smith, maybe That's... not the most proficient offensive player, you know what? I love the comparison to where how Wellington was that glue guy and what Gabe is. That's a great – I never thought of that before. You know, I think of the grit that Missoula has on that team, but I never – I didn't think about the Wellington aspect, man. I mean, I still remember when he came in just putting shots into the fifth row, it felt like, as a freshman there. And, man, that's a great point about him being a glue guy on that team and how, and how Gabe kind of embodies that to certain respects. Gabe a little bit better defender, I think. In Wellington, but my memory's also got a little recency bias now on it too. Great point, man. And you know what? Gabe is that guy for us, without a doubt, man. Without a doubt, number three. You gotta have it. Yeah, he does that for us, man. He really does. I Absolutely. I love it. I love it, man. Hey, he embodies the culture. He does. He, he and man, he he is the do what we do guy, man. He does embody the culture. I'm glad you hit me with that before you got out of here, brother. I really am. That's a good one. Hey, pop it off, man. Pop it off. Well, Zach, appreciate you, brother. And, uh, man, you, you take it easy. We'll, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You too, buddy. Later. Take care. Bye. Man, great to have Zach uh, coming in here with us and joining us on the porch. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll come back with some more football discussion here uh, later on. Um, bring CJ in. We'll kind of get all into the Iowa State deal but uh glad to have zach there with us man y'all take it easy